Recording from the Sunshine City, St. Petersburg, Florida, overlooking beautiful Tampa Bay, this is the Sonography Lounge, sponsored by Gulf Coast Ultrasound Institute. This podcast is dedicated to medical professionals and patients around the world interested in diagnostic and interventional ultrasound. Our podcast will discuss everything ultrasound, from news, trends, career paths, new technology, and industry updates. Hosted by Lori Green and Tricia Rio of Gulf Coast Ultrasound Institute, they bring over four decades of experience in the ultrasound profession and are here to guide you through this journey. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy. Hello and welcome everyone to the Sonography Lounge where we talk about everything ultrasound. My name is Lori Green. I'm the program director at Gulf Coast Ultrasound and I will be co-hosting the program today with Trisha Rio and Casey Green. Good morning. Hello everybody. Over the past decade, we have seen a significant increase in the utilization of diagnostic and interventional ultrasound throughout multiple areas of practice, including the federal and military sectors. From being able to rapidly deploy diagnostic capabilities in battlefield environments, triage and stabilization of patients in austere settings, up through Veterans Affairs, ultrasound seems to be finding a place throughout all echelons of care. So we're happy to have with us today Dr. Matt Cameron, who is a sports and regenerative medicine specialist and partner at Canyon View Medical Group in Utah. Dr. Cameron is also Lieutenant Colonel, serving as a reservist in the Air National Guard as Senior Flight Surgeon Medical Director at a Special Operations Unit. In addition, he previously served eight years active duty in the U.S. Navy. He has been attached to units on both coasts and has spent time on missions and deployments in multiple overseas locations, including Europe, Central America, the Middle East, Indo-Pacific, as well as aboard the USS Nimitz aircraft carrier. His current primary practice is focused on sports and regenerative medicine, and he is an expert instructor in the use of both diagnostic and interventional ultrasound for orthopedic and musculoskeletal applications. So welcome, Dr. Cameron. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate you having me. Oh, we're thrilled to have you on. So why don't you just start us out by giving us a little bit of background about yourself and how it is you got into your current practice. Sure. Yeah, I kind of had a long and winding road, I guess. Um, you know, I... You know, I spent time in the Navy, so I kind of bounced around. I initially actually did like a rotating transitional internship that you do through the Navy to kind of make you well-rounded and kind of prepare you to go out and be a general doctor in the in the military. And I was thinking of doing ER, and so I was out there doing a lot of different things. And flight surgeon is, you know, different situations, like you mentioned. And it was good. I enjoyed it. But I ultimately kind of backed off the emergency medicine thing and decided to go the route of sports medicine. It was more of a passion of mine and got exposed to it quite a bit, just doing the Navy thing and a lot of active uh, people in the military. So it, it was it fit well with my personality, I should say, and then got some exposure and kind of drifted that way to family medicine and then sports medicine fellowship. So tell us, how did you originally get exposed to the use of ultrasound in practice and its multiple capabilities? You know, I mean, it was a long time ago. During, it was probably during the military time, maybe a little bit during formal training, but I didn't get a lot during my training until I got into later years into sports medicine, um, as opposed to now. I mean, I see students that come through in our clinic and they're getting it very early, which is great for them. They're doing it during med school and getting a lot of different exposures and sim labs. 
but I think I got exposed just in different situations in the military and the applications that just started kind of getting used. And I think it was just more, you know, some of the trauma stuff and things we did. And then ultimately musculoskeletal kind of became more of a passion and interest. Gotcha. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. We're seeing a lot more of that as well, where the uh, medical students are getting introduced to ultrasound and it's being integrated into the residency program. So they're getting a little bit more um, in-depth training earlier in their their school. So um, that makes it a little bit easier for them when they're ready to jump out there into the real world, right? (laughs) For sure. We actually, we had a... uh, physician come through who was talking about his butterfly and he said that he took it out of his pocket when he was rounding in the ER and all the other physicians who you know have been out of school for multiple years were like what's that what do you have there they were fascinated (laughs) (laughs) definitely can make a difference right and you get some quick yes no answers when you need them and um, determine where to take that patient next in their uh, treatment Oh, yeah. It's invaluable. I mean, I, the, the, I use it every day. I mean, my, I do musculoskeletal, obviously, so I mm-hmm. use it every day for that. But, you know, I, I was using it more and more, and I see I use more and more even when I'm in my military, wearing my military hat. So it, it is invaluable. Awesome. Yeah, we have. Uh, so we, we also uh, at Gulf Coast, we, we exhibit a lot at a Special Operations Medical Association. And it's in the past, uh, I think we're on our like seventh or eighth year exhibiting there. And the first times that we were there, there was really no interest in ultrasound or very minimal. There was a few people and, you know, we had even started exhibiting that just by having a participant that came through one of our classes. He, he was like, listen, we, we just got 50 sonocytes. Nobody knows how to use them. They're sitting in a cage and we need the training. And can you guys come to this, this trade show? and just show show up and it'll really help me with my push to get the education for it. So we did, we've been going ever since and it started with realistically like one person and now we have a really good number of people. We're on GSA contract, we've, uh, we're approved for education through Army Ignited, but seeing and hearing the stories of people utilizing this in you know tactical environments up through all the other echelons is pretty crazy. And uh, so, I mean, do you have any thoughts on the use of it in tactical environments, you know, the you know capabilities, the limitations like what's what's kind of the driving force there yeah absolutely i mean i you know that's kind of the similar to your experience you know i've seen that you utilize more and more and there's been more of a push especially it seems like maybe over the past you know few years five years or so um but i think ultrasound you know the ultrasound environment the military found an interest very early on i mean you know, I know that uh, like Sonocyte, one of the big manufacturers of ultrasound even started out of a military contract, like back in the either late 90s or early 2000s, because the military said, hey, we need something that can go out in the field and be, you know, tactical ready and, you know, be durable and, you know, reliable. And so they developed those handheld, small, portable devices that made a huge difference. And I think it kind of just sat on the wayside for a lot of years. Like you said, people just, they didn't know what to do. They didn't know how to use it. I think they thought it was too complicated. And so the training wasn't there, but over the years, it's kind of expanded. Um, the unit I'm with has um, what are called PJs, pararescue jump, um, you know, special operators. Um, is part of what we work with, and we have others too. But um, those guys are basically the guys that jump into the most dangerous spots in the world to save people, right? They're mm-hmm. highly trained, you know, paramedics and, you know, frontline medical people in these austere environments. 
and we've tried to get them a little bit more familiarity and use with that. I think the army that I've got a friend who's in army special forces and the 18 deltas, which are like the high level army medics, uh, again, kind of frontline behind enemy line type guys, um, have taken a quicker adoption over the years and they've been really utilizing it and found a lot of value. We're trying to get the air force. We've got several units. We're just trying to get a little bit more adoption and, you know, training education and trust, I think, in it more than anything and the skills that they can actually use this and what it's used for. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, it's, I think also the transition now into in the adoption of the prolonged field care, um, rather than, you know, the immediate golden hour extraction method, uh, has really allowed ultrasound to fit right into that as well for infield triage. And I mean, I've heard a couple guys even doing like infield nerve blocks, um, you know, rather than fentanyl pops and stuff. So it's, it's definitely got a lot of opportunity of growth within the field. Yeah, we, yeah, I, mean, I could share, if you don't mind, I can share just a little history on that. You know, I've got, um, I've got guys that, you know, that's what they do. They're the perfect setting. These, these PJs, they do prolonged field care work, right? And that's part of the training we do with them. And um, so we have to work in keeping their medical, medical skills fresh. And so um, they're used to doing their, you know, what's called TCCC, tactical combat casualty care and go in and somebody's got a down lung, you know, they, they put a chest, you know, they'll dart them with a, you know, a needle thoracostomy and then, you know, or put a cricle. They love doing all that stuff, the cricothyrotomy and all these kind of high, high end stuff. But like, Hey, look at these, these utilizations of ultrasound that you can use. And you just give them examples and kind of train them on some of this stuff. And we had a guy that was, did that very thing. He was out in the field and there was a member that had shrapnel that he had gotten in combat. This was a few years ago. And, um, he ended up doing a nerve block, like you said. So he did a nerve block. He ended up kind of treating the guy and removing this piece of shrapnel and, you know, managing it in the field which was great. I mean, you know, that he had that equipment because I think having that just gave him the confidence to do those things. Absolutely. That's amazing. That yeah. Is. Hearing stories like that is just, it, it makes your job as an educator in ultrasound just that much more fulfilling and, For sure. you know, hearing those stories and the capabilities and stuff. And you, you can't deny with what you see on the screen is actually happening <laughs> within the body. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's been an interesting journey along those routes. Uh, do you, do you personally have any like case, uh, cases yourself that you've u- utilized ultrasound that have, uh, been kind of standing out to you? You know, that's a good question. Yeah, I, I have. Um, I mean, I, I do it every day, mostly musculoskeletal. But um, when I go with my military unit, there's been a few times when we've been out doing our, you know, two weeks a year, we'll go out and do our kind of active time, you know, during the reservists, you do sort of one weekend a month and two weeks a year. My unit's a little different where we do quarterly drills is what they're called. And, um, my, my friend calls it drill team. It's not a drill team, <laughs> but, you know, it's, <laughs> So we get together and we do training, a lot of paperwork and, you know, headache stuff. But, um, and then these two weeks a year, we kind of get together and go out and do like something bigger and exercise usually. And so I've had a few episodes where I had a guy that actually, that I was checking out and, um, he had a fracture and I wanted, you know, I'd want to confirm it and stuff and look at it because we needed to decide we were out in the middle of nowhere up in Oregon and we had to get basically decide, Hey, the nearest, you know, facility is, you know, a couple hours away. Do we need to go or do you think we can manage it? Is it just sprain contusion? 
And so, yeah, I pulled it out and we took a look at it and yep, confirmed fracture. And so, you know, we decided to stabilize it and took our time, but at least we could confirm it in the field, which was great. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's uh, that's really a good example. And and the other one that you were uh, sharing with us that a lot of times people don't realize the the value of using ultrasound in different environments. And it's so much different uh, using it in a austere environment, sometimes hostile environment, uh, rather than, you know, your standard emergency department setting. You know, you've got um, limited resources and limited other diagnostic testing available to you. There's the noise factor and then just the general high-risk environment of being in a war zone. So, you know, I can see how, you know, the... The um, the acceptance of it can sometimes be a little bit, you know, when they might be a little leery because it's something that they don't know how to do or they might not be confident in doing. And now I got to do it in this environment that there's a lot of things that just are unknown that are going to happen. And but the value of <laughs> right. it is so great that you can a lot of times when people think of um Using ultrasound for point of care, um, sometimes the first thing that comes to their mind is the FAST exam. And and obviously yes. that's that's of great value to determine if they've got a hemopericardium or you know, hemoperitoneum or something like that. But like you said, with the fracture, a lot of times people don't think about, yeah, you can use that. They always think x-ray and you can definitely utilize ultrasound to help you out in determining that and, you know, uh, foreign bodies, ocular injuries. There's so many different um, ways in which you can use ultrasound. And it just, once you get that confidence to start with one step, whether that's a fast exam or an ocular exam, those are kind of see one, do one, teach one type things, then then you just can continue to expand your utilization of it and the value of that in in a war zone area, especially tactical ultrasound is, is to me is just amazing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it is. And you get more comfortable over time too. I think the more you use it, do it. I mean, I, you know, I think that's true of anything, but especially in ultrasound, if you don't practice and do it, it just, mm-hmm. you're not going to ever get good at it. But yeah, I've seen that too. And actually it reminds me that, um, with what you were mentioning, we had a, the, the noise kind of thing, big time in the military, because, you know, often they'll be, tra- we'll be transporting patients via aircraft, helicopter, which are very loud and like, good luck trying to listen to lung sounds doing that. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, it's just not going to happen. So, um, you can use that ultrasound, like when they're checking, like they got a tube in a, you know, a crike or they're innovated and they're sitting there trying to check, listen to lung sounds or positions. I mean, they can use capnography and things, but a common way that, you know, they, we've learned to kind of do that is to throw the ultrasound on and you can look for that plural, um, shifting and kind of moving so that you can confirm, oh, you're getting good equal placement of your tube. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, years ago, we would never think of using ultrasound for evaluation of a lung. And that's definitely come a long way. Uh, who would know that all those artifacts we see would come in handy, you know, for right. diagnosis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know it's usually in my way. Like I get there and I'm looking at like a rib or spine. I'm like, you know, dumb lung, but I got to watch where it's at. But it's like, you know, it's creating a little bit artifact for me. But yeah, exactly. <laughs> just depends on your situation. But yeah, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I mean, the, the ultrasound, you think of the, the modalities we have for imaging things. I mean, most of us are reliant for musculoskeletal things on 
on x-rays, obviously for fractures. And then, you know, a lot of other things, mm-hmm. head injuries and stuff, CTs and MRIs, but none of those are portable. Even a portable x-ray is a large machine. An ultrasound is the only one you could throw in a bag and, you know, go anywhere in the world. Yeah. And your, your musculoskeletal skills certainly carry over into the, uh, into the, um, tactical ultrasound, because I'm sure there are plenty of uh, uh, muscle, muscular and tendon and ligament injuries and need to maybe do an a-, a joint aspiration or something like that, that can help yep. keep that, that member um, in, you know, in place and not have to evacuate them. Yeah. So like, tying that in, have you noticed like a increase in the adoption of like regenerative medicine um, within the federal sector? Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Um, they, they're doing it more and more. And the nice thing is opposed to my civilian practice where I have to talk to people about regenerative medicine and then, you know, kind of also unfortunately be the bearer of bad news and it's not covered by insurance, <laughs> yeah. you, know, and, right. you know, like, Hey, this is a cash pay procedure. They all, you know, half of them more instantaneously just kind of sunk about it. And they're like, that sounds great, but Oh yeah. The downside, mm-hmm. they want to do everything by insurance. <laughs> um, in the military, it's not that way. So th- there's a number of, you know, bases and facilities around the world, um, sports med docs and, uh, even ortho is adopting a little bit more doing yeah PRP and some of these things commonly. And it's, it's, you know, part of the or services offered to the member, which is great. Yeah. That's, that's uh, really, um, Awesome, because I'm I'm sure that being able to implement the regenerative medicine techniques um, in the military helps to expedite the healing and um, the member's ability to get back, you know, into into their role. Yeah, avoiding surgical intervention when possible. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Because some of those surgical interventions um, really prolong downtime, healing, rehab, recovery. And then some of them are, you know, what we call downing where, you know, if they get hardware put in or something like that, we may have to get a waiver for them and do, you know, more administrative headache. Whereas we do something non-surgical and can, you know, keep that away from them, then, hey, all the better. Oh yeah, everybody's happy. Hopefully, that's going to continue <laughs> right. to grow in the in the private sector as well, and the insurance companies will uh, listen up as to might save them some money as well. You know, so it will. I think so. It takes a long time to adopt. Yeah, <laughs> but I think we'll get there. I keep yeah. telling patients this is this is the the medicine, the orthopedic medicine of the future. You're just getting you have it available now. Unfortunately, you just have to pay for it. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, so. that's true. But it's well worth it. I can uh, oh, speak yeah. personally. To that, that it's um, attached several uh, regenerative medicine procedures, and um, it definitely is much more beneficial than having surgery because I've been on that side of the the uh, (laughs) road as well, and I would pick regenerative medicine 100% over surgery anytime. <laughs> yeah, you've had both. There I've you had go. both, yep. So I can speak speak to both. So um, that's awesome. Yeah. So have you, uh, you know, on the lines of ultrasound guidance, have you had any experience or known anybody that's uh, utilized like the SGB blocks for PTSD? You know, a little bit. Um, I, I haven't personally, um, but I've I've seen that a little bit. We had a couple of our guys. We get, unfortunately, with our special operators and during my time in the Navy, too, we had guys that we had to um, get into that kind of pipeline and those services for stuff from either, you know, PTSD stuff, post-concussive stuff, just all these kind of things from whether it was IED explosions or just, you know, the guys I work with do a lot of, you know, parachute jumps and things. And so they get hard landings and falls all the time. And so they'll get different injuries and head injuries included. And so, yeah, absolutely. And they go to obviously these, these war zones and 
very high demand, high stress areas. And so we've definitely gotten people in and they, they offer some more of those things too than they have before. I'm, I'm glad that they have more resources available to these members than, than prior, than previous. I think the last like 10, 15, 20 years has really brought that to a new level too, which has been great. Oh yeah. It's, it's definitely noticeable now. I mean, every year that I've gone to the SOMA convention, which is special operations medical association for those listening, it's, uh, even five years ago, there was no ultrasound tracks. Now every, every year there's more and more getting added um, just into the educational environments of it. And, you know, now there's equipment companies that are showing up in the exhibit hall as well and all sorts of new technology that's not even like available on the market yet. These, you know, I've seen these fingertip probes that you can put on your finger for, that attach to your system and heads up display integration into helmets. It's, wow. it's crazy stuff, mm-hmm. it, but it's amazing that it's being utilized. It is amazing. It's yeah, the technology is, it just blows you away sometimes. It's amazing. Yeah, Soma this week, right? It's down there by you guys. Um, I think which was this week or next week? So last week, so I was in Raleigh usually in March and May. I think it might be one of the like the chapter meetings. Um, there's one. Down yeah, there's here. something else that was this week. I got an email about it. Yeah. He was Sophics down here in Tampa as well every year, and uh, oh, but, that's maybe it, yeah. Yeah, but we, uh, I mean, we're right, we're literally looking across the bay at McDill right now, yep. and uh, <laughs> they, uh, they, they run a lot of testing out of some secret facilities down in Ebor and stuff, and you know, vet new products <laughs> and everything. So it's pretty cool dealing with those with that sector. Yeah, it is. It really is, and the guys are like so motivated. Like these are just some of the. I mean, you think of these guys kind of like jocks in a lot of ways and stuff, but these are honestly some of like working with special operations guys. With the, I've worked with different military groups and mostly it was aviation during the Navy time, but um, the last few years doing the special operations stuff. I mean, these are some of not only the most just physically well-rounded people, but they're also just very intelligent. I mean, they're high level, smart people. I mean, it's highly motivated too. So oh, you just want to do everything for them. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, we love having uh, military and operators come through our, our programs. They're always so motivated to learn and just continue education or you know, come to multiple courses just to round out their skill set. It's, you know, it absolutely appreciate everything that uh, you guys have done in your service and everything. So. Absolutely. We love our military. Yes, yeah. we do. <laughs> yeah, you guys have been a great supporter. I know I've done a lot of work with them, so it's great. Yeah. Gulf Coast. Yes, and we appreciate working with you as well. So, um, and, and so speaking about education, you know, that is um, oftentimes one of the um, barriers to um, integrating ultrasound into um, clinical practice or even into uh, military operations. So um, we do, we've had firsthand experience with people who we've done um, education on base with many um, uh, different groups uh, for different applications. And I know one of the things is always like we, we get the education and then the next thing you know, we get deployed and then we don't get the ability to to, you know, finish that out or round out our education and sort of things. But I think that over time that, you know, we've also expanded uh, as well as other educators um, have expanded how the educational formats at which you can obtain that education through online activities and um, remote uh, skills training. We have um, what we call the remote uh, coach virtual skills training that, that can help Mm. to minimize some of those barriers for people that, um, they can continue, you know, at least doing their online course. And then when they return home, they can get some hand, more hands on or or that we can help in other other ways virtually. So um, I think it's just a, a matter of 
as in anything in ultrasound, it's it's a rapidly changing um, profession. The technology is constantly improving. And so you have to all, there's never a, a point where you stop learning. You have to always be ready to learn new things and apply new skills. And and the same thing goes with that, that there might be a little bit of a, a you know, a break in your in your training, but you can there are ways to quickly pick up on on things and, and continue to move forward so that you can use it clinically. So, well, I totally agree. I mean, I, I love uh, listening to things like the podcast or watching videos that are put out by different organizations with it. And even coming down and helping with the courses down there is, is, is a real highlight for me because I can come down and also learn, right? I mean, right. you kind of get around and you're always picking up new things. You're like, oh, wow, I never thought about looking at something that way. Like, that's great. I'm going to do that. Mm-hmm. And so that it's fantastic. Yeah. It's always great for, we have a great team of, of, um, uh, physicians and other faculty that come together and, and it's always great having you all here because everyone's got something new to share and we all learn from it. So it's, 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 a, and we have fun while we're doing it. So, and we're, yeah, help- yeah. <laughs> and we're helping other people. Okay. So, um, well, before we sign off, Matt, do you have any, um, you know, final suggestions for federal employees who are interested in adding ultrasound into their practice and how to navigate getting the equipment and training? Anything you can add? Yeah, I think that the, the federally, like I talked to um, a friend last few days just because he works for the VA. He's a colleague in the military and he actually works for the VA system in Idaho. So I asked him, hey, what's what are you guys doing in the VA system for exposure, education, availability for ultrasound. And he said, you know, they haven't done a lot, you know, in the last few years, but the last six months or a year, they've really had a push that we need to start using this more. He, he works in an ER there and in a clinic setting, splits his time. Um, so there's definitely been a push. I think there's been a relative lack of the education piece. And so, you know, but they're, they're making it more available for sure. So to me, I always tell people, especially if I'm doing training or education, or if I see a student come through our clinic, you're only going to get better at this. You could watch all the videos you want and do, you know, the courses, they're great. They're going to point you in the right direction and show you things, but it'll be data overload and you'll pretty soon just like, you'll be like, I'm, I'm full, full. And then you'll dump half of it, right. Or more, you have to get your hands on that thing and practice. So I tell our guys, whether it's our special operators or people I teach or students that come through, like if you have access to a machine, just like spend some time after work, go in early. If you can take it home, you got a portable unit, just throw that on yourself. You could do most of your body, right? Mm-hmm. You Absolutely. Can do a lot of family and friends. I like get volunteers. Honestly, I did that a ton and it really helped me, especially during my fellowship. I would, t- I would take that thing home on weekends and it really advanced how quickly I was absorbing and utilizing it because I was much more comfortable and I wasn't futzing around on a live patient who is waiting for me. So I would do that. Probably the worst part about it to me was getting all goopy from the jail, right? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Lori calls that our f- uh, friends and family plan. Yeah. You scan everyone. <laughs> yeah, you just scan, That's scan, right. scan, right? It doesn't have to be a real patient. And like you said, grab whoever you can and scan them. Just the more you do, the better you get. You're your image quality will become uh, much, much better. The time it takes you to do an exam will decrease. You know, it's just like anything else. Practice makes perfect. And and that's mm-hmm. especially true in ultrasound. And so, yeah, I totally agree with you on that friends and family plan. And now with the uh, <laughs> with the ultrasound, you know, systems, the handheld systems being available and being more, um, you know, the price 
point being, you know, pretty good. It's they're a little more accessible than than before. And so, like you said, it's easy to take one home with you if you can and get access to it. So you can do it on your own free time, you know, take a look at that gallbladder or whatever. <laughs> and then you'll be the person yeah. everyone's going, ooh, what's that? Exactly. <laughs> yep, it's true. So true. It's funny you said that about the VA too, because in the past like two weeks, we've had two different VA systems send us onboarding requests. So it's VA, it seems like every branch is a bit different on how they go about acquisition too. So like VA is each individual state has to have us on board with them or like GSA is pretty much, pretty much every branch can buy through GSA if they know who to go to, but you got to talk to your purchasing, your local purchasing officer and then, uh, get them to file some paperwork and stuff. That whole process has changed a bit in the past year, but, um, and then air force is whole different <laughs> ball game and stuff as well. So, yeah. Well, you're bringing up some really bad headaches there. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this, is, this is what happens to me all the time. Like people can't communicate. There's all these kind of like roadblocks and you have to get approval for so many different uh, levels. And yeah, it's just, you think the military is one big system and we work everyone well to work together, but it's such a pain. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we feel your pain. Yeah. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> and then budgets. There's those lovely budgets. Oh, that's, that's another whole other thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we won't go there. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> But anyway, um, I think our time's about up and we've really enjoyed um, talking with you today on a variety of um, aspects of using ultrasound um, in the military and um, private practice. So um, I want to thank you again for for joining us and um, we look forward to seeing you in January because you're going to be here with us for MSK course in January. So we're excited to have you here. Yeah, I look forward to it. I, uh, I'm looking out right now my window. I can see a, I got a good view of the valley and there is a lot of white snow all <laughs> over the place. It, uh, it came down a couple nights ago and then about a week ago was the first big snowstorm of the year. So everything's covered, which is nice. And it's a good time to go to the mountains and ski, but it's uh, it's it's getting cold and wintry here. So I, I look forward for a little reprieve in a, a little bit. Yeah, it yeah. makes it a little nice for the Christmas uh, season feeling, but not to rub it in, but right. we're looking out <laughs> over the water and it's <laughs> 83 degrees and sunny. But let's send a little warmth your way. Thank you. All right. Well, thanks again, Matt, for joining us today. And, you know, thank you to all of our listeners for joining us. Um, We hope that this episode was beneficial and you got some great information. If we can answer any questions, we're always here for you. Uh, You can visit us at www.gcus.com or give us a call at 727-363-4500. We hope you all have a great afternoon and happy scanning. That's Thanks, right. Have a good Christmas. Thanks, Thanks a lot. You too. You too. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Sonography Lounge. Don't forget, if you like this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us on Instagram at Sonography Lounge and Twitter at Sonography LNG. If you have any questions, comments, or topic suggestions, feel free to send an email to us at sonographylounge at gmail.com. Have a great week and scan, scan, scan. <laughs>